Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. Hi, and welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. Engineering Brightness is a program started by two teachers at Preston Middle School in Fort Collins, Colorado. This program is a free after-school program that combines student empowerment, light poverty, and community involvement. Tracy Whiney is one of the original three co-founders of Engineering Brightness. She has led the way in establishing global connections and lantern distribution and research for the program. She is also the media specialist at Preston Middle School, an instructor at Colorado State University, the Delta Force Coordinator for the STEM Institutes, and an original co-founder of the STEM Educator Symposium. Tracy has received many accolades, and in addition to the Allen Distinguished Educator Award and the International Society of Technology and Education Global Collaboration Award in 2019, Tracy is an active global contributor in fighting light poverty, providing authentic STEM opportunities and strengthening prospective and current educators. John Howe is the founder and director of the STEM Institutes hosted by Pooter School District in Fort Collins and is a co-founder of Engineering Brightness. He is a data analyst, graduate research assistant, and PhD student at Colorado State University with a research focus on broadening participation in STEM. John has been recognized for his dedication and commitment to furthering STEM education and was the Colorado Aerospace Education Teacher of the Year. John is a recipient of the Federal Aviation Administration Colorado Wyoming Award and is a pilot and active volunteer for the Experimental Aircraft Association. John has published and presented at the local, state, national, and international level on STEM education. So I'd like to introduce Tracy Whiney and John Howe, and they are teachers at Preston Middle School, and I'm Super interested to learn a little bit more about the Engineering Brightness Program and how it came about. But before we get there, I would love for each of you to tell me a little bit more about your story, like who you are and how did this even come about before you guys got together and started the Engineering Brightness? I'm always curious. My name is Tracy Whiney and a little backstory on me is I've been in education for 18 years. I've been lucky enough to teach in four different countries, level K through undergraduate. I've been at Preston for the past 15 years. Middle school is my home. I also teach part-time at CSU and love teaching the undergraduates as well. For me, helping kids discover their power of changing the world today, of using their unique talents to make a difference today was a really easy way for engineering brightness to harness the power of our youth to solve global problems today. 
And what's your background? What did you go to school for and how did you get interested in this part? I went to CSU and I did my undergrad and my master's at CSU. Then I traveled around and taught and came back to Fort Collins. And I just love being able to travel and to learn from kids worldwide. I'm married. I have two kids and a dog. We do a lot of outdoor things. So Colorado is a good place for us. I've been here since 1980. And I love to read and garden and spend time with my family and friends. Was your degree specifically just in education? It wasn't. My undergraduate was in sociology and criminal justice. And then I went back and got my master's in instructional leadership with an emphasis on technology. And then I got my teaching certification. I started out as a teacher. This is my 38th year in education. Most of that time I was a school administrator, principal, or assistant principal in Wyoming here in Fort Collins since 2000. I quit working full-time for Poudre Schools about three years ago when I started full-time at Colorado State in a graduate program, and then I started working there. That's the general story. We started around 2008. Preston Middle School was a neighborhood school, and we responded to the community and created a neighborhood school of science, technology, engineering, and math. Scott Nielsen was the principal, and I was the assistant. Part of that As we visioned what a STEM school should be, we looked and saw that the application of science and technology, engineering, math, looks like service in the community. And so that became one of the five kind of characteristics of our work with students was, how are we going to apply this learning about technology or this engineering? You know, it's all about how can we make the world better? And that became our byline. So did Preston start off with... It being a STEM school? No, it was the new neighborhood school to serve the south side of Fort Collins. And in about 2008, at a time when there were a lot of new schools being developed, looked at our part of the community and said, gosh, this is a need. Let's respond to it by creating opportunities for kids. So for me, in framing my work, that's what it's all about, is creating opportunities. Did the families and did the students that were there and in the neighborhood, did they accept it pretty readily or were they thinking, what is this whole STEM thing? Yeah, I think people took it seriously and they took to it very quickly. And how did you both come together to create what is engineering brightness? We have this service theme and you walk in and out of classrooms and Tracy was doing what we had visioned by working with a group of students and working on a passion project they had. I'll let her talk a little bit about that, but it was super impressive. So Amy Schmier and I at the time were co-teaching a class and we were working with an orphanage in the Philippines. And what we saw were kids are the same everywhere. They have the same hopes, dreams, desires. They just have different obstacles in front of them. And in the Philippines, they didn't have light readily available. And at that time, we were working with their cooking source. And so they were using wood, which is very harmful inside the house to burn. And so we worked in conjunction with CSU to get 100 biomass stoves sent to the Philippines. And at that time, we had two former teachers at Preston, Jacques and Elena Fournay, who were serving in the Peace Corps. So they were our connection. They were the ones who were able to facilitate getting the biomass stoves, distributing them, 
And what we saw were kids were able to point to a project and say, I helped with that. I helped this kid who I'll probably never meet in my life, have cleaner air, be able to cook easier, have time that they're not having to gather all the wood. And that was the pretty neat project. We had kids go away for spring break and we didn't give them homework. And over spring break, they were emailing me saying, oh, I found out more about this or we could use this type of biomass stove. So for me, it was the light bulb moment that I didn't have to assign grades. I didn't have to get after them. Their parents didn't have to get after them. If kids know their work matters, you can't stop them. It doesn't matter if it's spring break or over the summer. Naively, I thought we had finished the project. And I was doing that class just kind of an extra outside of my contract. I didn't put anything on the schedule for the following year. And all the kids came back and said, what are we doing this year? And I said, nothing. We don't have nothing (laughs) on the books. And they demanded something. And about that time, Haiti had suffered their natural disaster. And our kids talked about providing light for them. And I knew nothing. And so I went to my friend, John Howe, and said, please help me. Can you help me do this? And we had created, with my expertise, a very bad flashlight and went to John and asked for his help. You know, we went through that process and we sent those lights to Haiti hand-delivered by a family from here in Fort Collins. And we put our heads together and said, I think we can do this better. And that's where the idea came from. How many years has Engineering Brightness been? This is our sixth year. So we started in 2013. That started after the flashlight, right? Or did you count the flashlight as your first year? We count the flashlight. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. And how many prototypes have you kind of gone through with these? Because over six years, that's many classes that have worked on it. Mm -hmm. We estimate about 650 prototypes. And I'm really glad that you call them prototypes because we're still learning. (laughs) And we're still changing the design to meet the needs of the users out there. We make frequent changes. We're still in our first version, but we make a lot of changes. 650. Like, I can't even imagine that. But you're still in your first version. Now, I first met you both really briefly in the very first day of school, actually, this year of Preston, when you had somebody here from Liberia. I kind of overheard that you were going through different versions, so I didn't know what version you were on as far as these lanterns that you're creating. So we say we're still in version one. And if you would see our different versions of version one, they're very, very different. So we have a major version two up and coming. However, when you think about the case and the insides, we're calling it all version one, but we've had version 1.1, version (laughs) 1.2. I think now we're on version 1.9. So I'm not quite sure what we're going to do after that. But as you came and heard from our guest in Liberia, Jasper, was there's a really strong need for the country of Liberia to have more lanterns. And the beauty of engineering brightness is kids in tandem with community members solve problems. So we could go and do a quicker process or do fundraising for a lantern that's already out there. And what that would do is rob our students and our community of the learning process, of learning how to be an entrepreneur, of learning how to be a philanthropist, and learning all those STEM skills plus the skills that employers are craving for and need our workforce to have. So we don't work in business time. 
we work in kid time. And so we've been very fortunate to partner with a lot of really wonderful community members and community businesses. Otterbox has come alongside of us and our kids have literally worked hours with industrial engineers, electrical engineers, mechanical engineers. And so we're still on version one. However, there are all sorts of different lanterns and now they're all safe. Like our first Haiti one was disposable, but now our lanterns are safe. They're solar charged and we have community members who come in to work with our kids. We have business members. We have electrical engineers, all sorts of different engineers coming in. And so it's a slow process, but we say every lantern tells a story. And every lantern probably has, I don't know, what would you say, 25 people associated with it of mm -hmm. each lantern. So each lantern tells a really remarkable story of how it was produced and how it got to where, where its home place is. So talk to me about the production itself, because I got to see it. But for our listeners, maybe what does it look like and how is it constructed? Sure. We start with the circuit that the students designed several years ago, and we made a few tweaks to it. But we have those circuit boards produced. We teach the students how to solder. We then assemble the circuit board. We do the wires. Students also design the case. So we're using the case that, that students design. We assemble that all into the case. And then at the end, once we got everything glued together, it's sealed. We have a solar panel to go with it, a solar charger to go with it. We have the student sign the bottom of the case so that at the end user, which is really kind of fun because we've had the opportunity to travel and our end users in another country see those names and it's pretty special for them. And how did you choose Liberia? Because you started in Haiti mm -hmm. and you have a contact, I'm assuming, you know, in Liberia, but how do you choose which country and which community to mm. serve? That's a great question. So we started with Haiti. And then we had the opportunity to work with an orphanage in Uganda. And Uganda really taught us the importance of relationship and not a one and done. So we worked with Uganda for almost four years and we were able to really get to know the children in the orphanage. We were able to watch them grow up before our eyes. And so that really imprinted in our hearts the importance of relationship. And what we found from the people in Uganda is they have knowledge that we don't. So we fix lanterns through Skype. We have watched them be able to do homework through Skype. Really amazing things. And so one value of engineering brightness is the relationship piece. So Uganda, we had a connection. We were able to meet with the house mom. They occasionally had wireless cards that they could Skype, not very often, so it was really important for us to get to know their community and them to get to know our community and be on equal footing. And then there was a group of four churches in town who were going on a mission trip in Guatemala. And I happened to be on that mission trip and, and asked if we could supply some lanterns. And on that first mission trip, I met a man who lives in Fort Collins, and he is our Liberia Connection. So he was looking at the lanterns, Mark Waldo was, and saying, wow, this is really interesting. What's the story behind it? And then he works in Liberia and came back and said, might you want to work in Liberia? So we're open to any part of the world that would like to work with us. 
with the caveat that it can be an ongoing relationship. Now, we've waited for handwritten letters from kids. That takes a lot of patience. We've worked with people going down once a year. That takes a lot of patience. But what we find is it's priceless to have that relationship. And kids are working in tandem with other kids and learning information that us as adults in Fort Collins can't give them. And so one way that our lanterns are being used is to scare coyotes. So there's a young man in Guatemala who is in charge of keeping his chickens safe. And we never anticipated that the lanterns were going to be used to scare coyotes. And that's what this young man is using them for. So those are things we can't think of. Those are things we need people in other countries to teach us. So it doesn't really matter where we work as long as we have the relationship with the people. And how often are the kids at Preston able to talk to these other countries? I mean, we use technology. You just said that they needed some sort of card to be Mm -hmm. able to have either Skype conversations or any conversations. Like how often are they able to get feedback and what they're making? We have one scheduled next week with uh, another group of students. So we probably do that six times a year. We've been able to Skype workshops in Guatemala with students there in three different settings. And once we got back to able to Skype with one of the groups, which those students are closer to the folks that will need the lights and use the lights. The other thing that we do is John and I have both been to Guatemala and conducted the workshops. So we do a ton of video and they write down things for us. We get letters back and forth. And then like you saw, Jasper came. We have two contacts in Guatemala who came last year. And so our kids got to meet with them. We're hoping they're going to come again this year. So through a local company, Top of the Lake Coffee, they're sponsoring some work in San Juan, La Laguna, Guatemala, and they're sponsoring the people to come over. We get the opportunity to host them and hear about the lanterns and hear how the lanterns are working. It's a mix of handwritten letters, feedback, Skype, people going over, us going over, the people in the other countries coming here It's a blend of different ways to get feedback. And I'm just thinking of the kids at Preston. I'm sure you have lots of different stories. Six years with this program, some of those kids are either in high school or maybe even graduated high school. So what are some of the things that you see with the newer kids starting off, like in the sixth grade, seventh grade years? Because when you do things like this, there's something that connects a human being to another human being. So I'm sure that some of the kids that maybe started this with you folks have even graduated high school or are close to graduating. Maybe you have some neat stories of how you've seen their eyes light up to where they are right now because of the Engineering Brightness Program. So what are some of those experiences? I'll just say in general, middle school is such an important time for those kinds of experiences because it helps students develop their self-identity. And when it's engineering, That's special. You know, we have students that are able to come back from high school. But our hope is that that experience then changes the options that they see themselves having as they get older. John talked about what part of his research is your identity and how you see yourself and what options are available for you. I love that up until this year, because of scheduling with the new district times, we had high schoolers ride their bikes back. We had high schoolers walk over. We had high schoolers get rides to come over. 
And that's the beautiful thing about their learning. They're not done. They know there's 1.7 billion people worldwide without access to safe or reliable electricity, and they're not done working. So they do everything they can. We had one young lady last year that literally she could only make it for the last 10 minutes. And as adults, we might prioritize and say, man, that's a lot of work Mm -hmm. to get here for 10 minutes. And she would blaze in the door and be out of breath. And before we could even say hi to her, she had her hands fixing something. The power of her being able to connect and her identity and who she is was so amazing. And our kids know the door is always open. I had a kiddo yesterday ask me, Miss Whiny, can I bring my neighbor? She's at a different school. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Bring her. You know, that's <laughs> great. We're not done. Our kids don't leave and then think, oh, we're done. We do have our first year of kids in college this year. And we're hoping that that time really made a difference for them. Here's something you might not know. NOCO FM is also a podcast network producing one-of-a-kind programming like the show you're enjoying right now. We have talk shows, original comedy, music shows curated by real people, and a lot more. So if you like what you're hearing, make NOCO FM a part of your day and tell your friends. Remember, that's www.noco.fm. One of the things when we did tour Preston, I heard about this program. And so I was like, you've got to be kidding me. You do what? And it's a free after school program. I don't get this. So explain to me how (laughs) you're able to provide this for the kids as a free after school program. We've received a few generous grants and the rest of that. We were able to purchase a lot of the equipment that is expensive. Once that initial investment is made, the expense is fairly low. Not that it's free, but it's it's relatively low. So we, we do the best we can with, with what we have, the resources that are available. Spoken like a true philanthropist. Okay, so my point is, <laughs> how do people, if they're interested in this, or the parents, or you've got people that you're letting neighbors come in, like it's not just for Preston kids. How can somebody actually give to just your program if they want to give to that program? Are you still writing grants to get more supplies and more equipment or... How else would somebody be able to actually give to help support your program? It's a really great question and a needed question. So thank you for asking. John and I are volunteers. And so all of our time with Engineering Brightness has volunteered, as well as we have about 10 regular volunteers every Monday. And there's absolutely no way we could ever do it without them. So that volunteer theme is huge. And the supply theme is something that John and I are constantly working on. Where can we get the best value for this? Where can we get this? And so last summer, we became a nonprofit. And so our website has a donate button. And as volunteers and as teachers, we're not good at asking. And it would really be lovely to have all the supplies we need, especially with the soldering stations our kids share now, which is fine because they can learn how to do it. But this year on Monday, we had 72 kids come. Wow. um, Which is 
amazing. Is that the biggest you've ever had? Yes, it's wow. the biggest. Yeah. And so and the phenomenon of engineering brightness is those 72 kids will come all year. So a lot of times you see drops as the year progresses, but we'll get more after cross country starts. So if we had more supplies, kids could have more hands on. And John and I are always talking about how much each light is. How are we going to get these supplies for it? That might be the hardest thing that I think. I'm not a salesperson. I don't like doing that type of stuff. We have to. The lights do cost money to produce. Our account is at the Canvas Credit Union on Boardwalk. And any donations can be sent straight to that branch office, Canvas Credit Union Boardwalk, 700 Whalers Way, with the designation Engineering Brightness. And that'll get deposited in. Oh, wow. Okay. That's our, nice and easy for local people, too. It is. The other thing I want to say, Tracy mentioned this, and we haven't talked about it, but of the 72 students that we have, We've consistently, for the last probably three or four years, recognized that half our participants are girls. This is an engineering program. And nationally, uh, researchers all over the country are trying to figure out that phenomena. Why is it more girls are not participating in engineering? In this program, somehow, we're having half of our participants are girls. So something pretty special. We're trying to understand that from a researcher point of view. Uh, we're super interested in understanding what's going on there. You know, I sit here and I interview so many people. I think we need to talk because I have all kinds of ideas swirling okay. in my head of how to get you guys some support. I'm thinking, gosh, I've got volunteers. Oh my gosh, I've got all these ideas that you could probably do. I've seen other nonprofits here in the area do different things. We should talk sometime. Let's talk. My head's already going like, okay, I could show you that this has worked for some people and we'll definitely talk after we're done here. That's awesome. I always like to ask this question because I like to hear what people have to say and just about their life. But what do you think maybe drove each of you to give back? Do you think that it was a parent? Do you think it was something that you saw along the way as you were growing up or something that you experienced? What do you think gives you that urge to, this is what I want to spend my hours doing and my energy. I'm not getting paid for this. It's a volunteer position, but it means so much to me. This is what I want to do. Well, for me, growing up in rural Western South Dakota, there were not a lot of opportunities. So for me, I love those different experiences than what I could get that were around me. And I recognize that we all like that. And our students like that. So for me, this whole journey began with creating opportunities for kids. That's why we do STEM X and those kind of programs. The unanticipated part was the power of service, that how powerful that is in the experience of kids, how motivating that is. So not only can they have a different kind of experience and learn to do electronics and soldering and mechanical engineering and remote teaming with kids from another culture and language, but they can serve. They can do something recognized as making a difference. That I didn't see coming, but it's pretty motivating for me. And for me, it's similar. I grew up with a dad who was constantly helping others and public education was a gold star for me. I had wonderful teachers and wonderful community who believed in me and inspired me to believe in others. And I believe that Public education gives every student an opportunity to discover who they are. And 
when we're able to do that. I think I benefit. I think our school benefits. I think our town benefits. I think globally we benefit. And to be able to see a kid use everything that they have and their unique talent, not what I want them to do, maybe not what their parents want them to do, not what the standard says for them to do, but to do what's in their heart and use their intellect to impact someone else's life is so powerful. I mean, I wanted opportunities for my own kids to do that, and they've both been through engineering brightness, and I wanted opportunities to do that with my own kids. And I think of some of our volunteers that come, I would have never had the chance to meet them just living in Fort Collins because we all do our own lives. So the chance to meet you and talk with you and the chance to have Matt Way and Linda Tugut are two people who work at Preston who stay after and do engineering brightness. So I get to see them in a different way and just have those opportunities. And I think the payoff is huge. We talk about it's a volunteer time, but I'd love to share one story of Maria, if that's okay. We really get the honor of hearing how people are using our lanterns. And when John and I were able to go to Guatemala and do a workshop, we had sent a couple lanterns ahead of time and asked for people to use them. So when we got there, we could hear how they were working. Well, there's a lady who's 68 and she lives by herself and she works super hard. She does laundry every day. And it's hard work. It's not a washing machine like we have. She scrubs and scrubs and scrubs. And she's tired and she lives in a block house with no light, zero light at all. And our contact down there through Brent, his name is Tom, had given her one of the lanterns. And when she found out we were coming, the only thing she wanted to do was meet us to thank us. And so the first night we had a mix and we didn't get to see her. The second night we trudged to her house and it's dark and it's kind of scary and it feels unsafe as you're walking up to where she is and she wasn't there. And we thought, oh, shoot, we missed her again. And as we were turning to leave, she had been looking for us, found us and invited us in. And the way that she expressed her thank you for the lights, you would have thought that we had given her a brand new house with a brand new car and told her she never had to work again. And she hugged us and she sat close and then she really got to the root of the story. And the root of the story was that every day she made enough money that she could either buy one tortilla to eat or a little nub of a candle to see after the sun went down. That was just her life. That's what she had. And she looked at John and I and she couldn't get close enough and she hugged us and she was crying and she said, now I can eat every day. I don't have to decide. And she said, and I feel safe and I feel I'm not as lonely or as scared. And we just got an email from her through our contact maybe three weeks ago. And if I could let you read it. You'd be weeping. And she was so grateful and so happy. And at the end, because we're always asking for feedback, which is hard for people because they feel like they're criticizing us. And she said, maybe if it could just be a little brighter. And John immediately wrote me back and said, Maria's getting the brightest lantern you've ever seen. (laughs) And I said, you bet she is. So that's the payoff. Those are the things that it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what you do, what you know how to do. Maria is the way that connects our humanity. 
And what do the kids say when you share a story like that with them? One of the things they talk about is just how much difference they feel like their work is making out there for people like Maria. I just keep thinking about how this all started with your backgrounds and it really was let's do some kind of activity to now making that human connection and they get to see what the result is on the other end and how grateful people that don't live in the United States might have. I just feel like with technology, it's incredible how a middle schooler in a small little city could actually make an impact in another country for another life. And that's just to me something that's like so special. So thank you. Is there anything else that you want my listeners to learn about engineering brightness or maybe any asks that you might have maybe for the next year at least? We're not used to that kind of question. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that we have learned is the importance of having a partner in our setting. Having two of us working on it together has become a necessity. The other thing I think I want to say is there's a very supportive community here in Northern Colorado. We would not exist. We're the public face of engineering brightness. There's a lot of organizations, Otter Box, Otter Cares, just to mention a couple, the Rotary, and they're all over this area. And so it's an environment that is supportive of this kind of project. Definitely. And I think the ask is for parents sometimes is encouraging your kid, right? It can be hard. It can be unknown. And to encourage them to take a chance and come and see what we're all about, that would be something that would be helpful to us. Of course, we welcome anyone. So if you are an adult who want to volunteer, you just have to go through the PSD volunteering website and get approved that way. And then you're welcome to come and you would just let John or I know that. And we're just always looking to be better. We know we can do things better. We know that the more that we partner with people, the bigger our circle grows and the more impact we can have. Liberia has asked for 3,000 lanterns. We've delivered about 80. And so the price point on that, that's a hard one for us. We don't have the finances. We don't have any finances to come up with 3,000 lanterns. <laughs> and we're grateful to people like you who see it and it stirs something in you and you think, yeah, this is something that's of interest to me. I love that John said that we're the face and there's so many throughout the six years. We want everybody who has participated to feel like they are still part of it, to feel like whatever part they played is still making a difference, is still going forward. billion is a lot of people, and we're taking it one lantern at a time, one person at a time. We're grateful for the support and the enthusiasm from our community and beyond. You asked about asks, and I've been Mm -hmm. racking my brain thinking, well, we will need tooling for version two. We will need four tools and four injection molding. That's a very pricey project for the four tools. So the students have designed the cases and we intend to mass produce the next one, that version two. So tooling, and that'll make sense to people that know what tooling is, but that's one big need that we have. Okay. We didn't even mention it, but they are lanterns that are made from your 3D printer. I was just thinking, I don't even think we said that yet. So tooling, do you have something on your website that has your needs and has it listed. And I think that would be a great thing. Maybe even a student could do because people can go to your website and learn about it. And we're going to have it in the show notes, but even having, this is what we need, or 
let's say you want to donate $25, $50, $100. This is what it would go to or how much you would donate. This is how much a lantern would be so that people know exactly what they're donating to. Or if I donate $100, this will go to one or two lanterns or however many Mm -hmm. it is. Because it's easier, I think, for a lot of people to maybe make that association and say, okay, well, then I gave enough to make two lanterns or I gave enough to cover one of the four tools that you needed or something like that. And since you have 72 kids so far, maybe it is somebody who wants to now work on website development Mm -hmm. and e-commerce or something like that. That would be something similar as part of the whole program, because it is a whole program and getting them involved in those types of things is also something that they can learn as part of the entrepreneurship and the business side of it as well, right? That's just me rolling off an idea. (laughs) But I think it'd be interesting, you know, if you don't have it on your website, maybe to add it because what I've seen for people that do donate versus just a number, that's easy too. But for some people, they want to know exactly how much does this get me? So it might be really interesting. And explain what the tooling is too, maybe on the website, but you don't have to do it. Assign a student to do it. You get 72 so far, (laughs) just say, hey, I need three or four of you guys to maybe look at this and work on it. Because I bet you these kids are smart nowadays. They'll just be like, oh, you just do this, this and this and click here, make a button that says buy now. And then we have it linked to our Canvas credit union account. And boom, there it is. So it's something kind of neat that you can probably get the kids involved in in a different way, maybe too. I love that thinking. My wheels are turning as well. And if anybody's listening who has that expertise, who wants to spearhead a group of kids in that direction, that would be really amazing for us. And that person would have to believe in the power of youth and believe that they can do it with some guidance and using their expertise as well. So that would be a wonderful ask for us of getting some of that. John and I doing everything. That would be wonderful to have somebody come aside us and do that. Last year, we had two kiddos who wanted to write a book and publish a book. And now we have an engineering brightness book that's available on Amazon. Oh, wow. um, That if you would look at this book, the two kids that we had do it are truly amazing. You could hire them tomorrow. Really amazing things. And those are the things that kids can do it. They came and said, well, we want to write a book. And we were like, great, go for it. So I love that you're already thinking of, you've got all those 72 kids, let's give them a new job. And one question we asked them last Monday was, what do you want to do? So we gave them some ideas of what we've done in the past. We showed the book. We had a kid a couple of years ago who was our photographer. We had another one who did a YouTube channel and we just showed those as ideas and said, what other ideas might you have that you want to be involved in? And I love how you facilitate the conversation with the kids. I noticed on that one meeting that I went to, because you do get them involved and get them thinking, like I saw their wheels turning in a lot of those kids' minds of how they were going to make it different because of what Jasper was saying of how we needed to do things. And my daughter, which I didn't even know she was interested, she kept really wanting to look at that lantern. So then when I grabbed it, I didn't know if she was really paying attention, but she grabbed it and she looked at it and she kind of pulled at the wires and the plugs and looked at the solar panel and everything. And she said, well, According to what he said, what if we just put the solar panel here and then you could plug it in, but then you'd have to make a hole here. And I just stepped back and I looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh, look at you go. And so that was one of the things that I was so thankful. That was only one time she was there. She's super excited. So from a mother, thank you very much for doing this because I think it's going to change the landscape for my daughter in the next three years that she's at Preston. So thank you very much. 
So my last question too is, what is one piece of advice that you can share with our listeners on making the world a better place? For me, it's following your heart. It's following your heart and going elbow to elbow with someone, not helping someone because you have more, you're in a different spot, but working together, listening to each other. And I don't care who the other person is. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a unique talent. Everybody has a heart that's ready to give. So my advice is moving forward, going for it, listening to the person you're working with and putting yourself on the same footing as the person, whether they're right across from you or countries away from you. I think I would say go deep, go deep with those interests and stick with it. Sometimes we like quick fixes for complicated problems. And our small little slice of this is a big problem and it's complicated and we need to be in it for the long haul if we want to make a difference. Well, thank you so much for joining me and thank you for your time. And I'm so excited to see what the next year or the next few years, because I get to be a part of it too. And thank thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World. And thank you, NOCO FM, for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This has been a production of NOCO FM.